build a bright financial future for your team with a unique 401k program available only to ACEC members, giving you enhanced fiduciary protection and a significant reduction of personal liability with advantages that even the largest firms can't get on their own. Thanks to aggregated buying power and the scale and expertise of our three advisory firms, CapTrust brings access to institutional level investments, a fund lineup to fit different investment styles and personal advisory services for each plan participant. Empower provides record keeping, advanced cybersecurity and education for participants and plan sponsors. MWE gives legal oversight for ERISA compliance all at low fees that leave more money in your team's retirement accounts. Attract and retain the best talent with the retirement program commissioned and overseen by engineers for engineers, the ACEC Retirement Trust. Welcome to the Engineering Influence Podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. Today is Tuesday, November 8th. Happy Election Day. Uh, My name is Diana Alexander, and I'm the Director of Private Market Resources with ACEC. And today I have a very special guest with me, uh, Jesse Gary, who is the Head of Energy Systems for Blueprint Power. And uh, Jesse has 15 years of experience with uh, what's called Distributed Energy Resources, DERs, across both public and private sectors. Uh, In his current role with Blueprint Power, he leads a team that converts the buildings into flexible sources of capacity and connects this distributed energy resources to energy markets. Uh, In his previous roles, uh, they included clean energy and demand side program management, project technology and policy development with the Department of Energy, Department of State, Air Force, and Franklin Energy. Um, Just really quick, Blueprint Power is a full service tech partner that opens the energy marketplace to real estate owners and transforms the built environment into a flexible power network. Uh, Blueprint is an independently operated portfolio company of BP Launchpad, and they believe that buildings play a critical role in the global energy transition towards carbon-free power. Uh, That's why they transform buildings into flexible power networks that help secure access to reliable, clean energy for cities and communities. So, Jesse, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, that was a great intro. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. So the reason we're talking with Jesse is because ACEC is headed to Houston, Texas next week for its first ever private market energy symposium uh, on November 15th. And Jesse will be joined there by Elijah Williams, who is the executive director for the Energy Corridor District in Houston uh, for a fireside chat titled Decarbonizing Commercial Real Estate. Um, With so much funding, policy and research coming from this market, it's a timely conversation. The IAJA is going to allocate $65 billion to the power and grid market alone, with even more coming from the IRAA, the Inflation Reduction Act. So I'm going to ask Jesse some questions and then we'll have a conversation. Uh, So, Jesse, tell us in your own words, who is Blueprint Power and what is your role there and background? Yeah, so I am a head of energy systems at Blueprint Power. Uh, Blueprint works with commercial real estate owners to uh, develop integrated energy solutions. So we connect on-site energy systems to energy markets and programs that uh, generate revenue streams and decarbonize their buildings. Um, My background is in energy and engineering. Majority of my career has been in the, the federal sector with the Department of Energy, Department of State, Department of Defense. Uh, and also spent some time working in the uh, utility sector with with Duke Energy. 
Awesome. So I wanted to add some color to this conversation for our listeners. Uh, I would identify this recording as a mix between uh, emerging tech trends and opportunity for commercial real estate and the energy transition combined. It just checks so many boxes. And I was performing research for this upcoming symposium and I was looking at all the big companies like Chevron, Shell, BP, uh, because no matter how fast the renewables market will uh, grow and transition, um, oil and gas and liquids are still the number one consumed energy sources and will continue to be so far into 2050. And that's when I found this BP launch pad. Um, so you're a U.S. T- a tech company that could turn these buildings into a, you know, a flexible power network um, on a cloud-based software and that it provides an opportunity to decarbonize commercial real estate. So to me, this reads ESG. When I hear it helps real estate owners meet their environmental goals, to me, that checks that box that is becoming so huge in the marketplace right now. Would you agree? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, we look, we work with a lot of uh, sustainability managers within uh, real estate portfolios. So within ESG, there's there's really two main things that we support. One is that the projects that we execute support better ESG performance and higher ESG scores. And then our data collection feeds ESG reporting. So for, for me personally, like ESG is not something that I think about day to day, but there is a natural uh, overlap and alignment between what we do and um, improved ESG performance. Absolutely. So. Tell me and our listeners, why is creating, you know, this flexible energy capacity important for building owners? All right. So uh, electrical systems need to be extremely reliable. Uh, that's job number one, priority number one, along with safety. So when, when you, the customer, flip the light switch, the light needs to come on. Um, so the way that the grid maintains reliability today is by always having enough supply to meet peak demand. Peak demand being the hottest summer day or the coldest winter day uh, and the electrical loads on that day. And uh, the answer to peak demand increasing over time has always been to build more utility scale generation at the, at the transmission level. Uh, and this system works. Electro, electrical grids are uh, extremely reliable, uh, but it's also an expensive and inefficient way to design a system because uh, it means that some generating assets are only used for a handful of hours per year when they're needed to meet peak demand. So flexible capacity flips this around and says, what if we had the controls for demand to match supply rather than always having enough supply to meet peak demand? Uh, and, and by flexibility, all I mean is the ability of hardware and software to create the load curves that we want. So uh, many, many grids today are struggling to keep up with increasing electrical demand. They're being pushed to their limits. This problem will only intensify because we know that electrical demand will continue to increase. So the grid will need more flexibility to deal with and manage this increased demand. Uh, and the grid needs to compensate the resources that provide that flexibility. Uh, so for building owners, there's opportunities to uh, reduce your electric bill without sacrificing uh, comfort levels within the building or the life cycles of equipment and uh, connect your building systems to energy programs that uh, compensate you for providing flexible capacity. Very interesting. Uh, there was a uh a term earlier when we were introducing you, these DERs, distributed distributed energy resources. Can you tell us what they are and why they're important? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the traditional electrical grid is big power plants located far away from load centers that uh, generate energy and send it long distances through transmission and distribution to end-use customers. And energy flow is all in one direction. Uh, and we think about the grid as something that big companies and big power plants inject power into uh, and customers withdraw power from. 
Uh, but the grid, uh, the system architecture of the grid is changing and we're seeing more distributed resources. So energy being generated and being managed at the same place where it's used. So uh, distributed energy resources or DERs are uh, any on-site load or generator that we can control in response to energy market signals. So that could mean existing equipment like chilled water plants or generators like pumps, fans, motors. It could also be new equipment that we deploy like energy storage or solar photovoltaic or EV chargers. Uh, and these DERs are valuable sources of flexible capacity um, and allow customers to shift from being passive recipients who only receive services from the grid to, uh, to active participants. So buildings that provide services to the grid and contribute to its reliability and to its uh, resiliency. Okay. So this next one piques my interest because I read new revenue streams. Everybody that's been in business development wants to know, or anybody in business for that matter, wants to know, well, how is this bringing me a new revenue stream? So how does Blueprint Power help building owners generate new revenue streams while reducing carbon emissions? And what can a building owner do to get started? Yeah, so to, Blueprints look into identify, maximize, and monetize flexible capacity. And Blueprint also believes that you shouldn't have to choose between a good environmental decision and a good financial decision. And uh, the trick to making these projects pencil out is to generate revenue streams from multiple sources and then stack them on top of each other. That's what's called the, the value stack. And so we start out doing a screening of a given building or portfolio of buildings to assess the opportunities uh, we install our power and ener energy uh, monitoring hardware called a dig box in buildings uh, to establish baseline load profiles. Uh, we perform techno-economic simulations to estimate cash flows, energy savings, carbon reductions, project costs, project economics. And then from there, the customer journey kind of splits. So for existing building systems, we evaluate them, we connect them to energy markets, we manage their participation in those markets. And then for new building systems, we go through a, an engineering design procurement installation process, and then the same thing, connect them to energy markets and manage their uh, dispatch. This is so interesting to me. I didn't even know that this, I, this, I mean, this is like an emerging tech trend to me uh, that I don't think a lot of people are aware of or know about. Um, I, I just have an off the cuff question, you know, when did Blueprint start? What was the year you guys were founded and, and what was the reason for you guys starting to do this, this founded idea? Yeah, so the impetus, we're, we're based in New York City. So, you know, Hurricane Sandy uh, hit the city hard in 2012. Uh, lots of our, our current clients were without power for um, a number of hours and some for a number of days. And we've all seen the damage that can be done when the grid is down for even uh, a short amount of time. Uh, and so uh, Blueprint officially has been around since uh, 2017 and again, like started up in, in New York City. It's a very interesting story. Um, I think our members joining us in Texas will be very excited to learn more and meet you as well. Um, what electrification trends are on the horizon that we should be thinking about from an engineering perspective? Yeah, so interestingly, if you look at total electric consumption across many regions in the U.S., it's remained relatively steady over the last decade or so. And that's largely thanks to energy efficiency. Um, but this will not be true over the next decade because of electrification. So to me, uh, decarbonization and electrification are, are closely related. And there's three big things that need to happen. Uh, one, you have to add more renewables plus storage to the fuel mix. 
Two, you electrify HVAC, so move from gas fire chillers and boilers to electric chillers, heat pumps, et cetera. Uh, and three, you electrify transportation. Uh, and these three things all work together. So you can't just electrify stuff without cleaning up the fuel mix. Otherwise, you haven't really accomplished anything other than adding more electric load and more stress on the system. Uh, and you can't clean up the fuel mix without adding energy storage because uh, renewables are great, but they lack the dispatchability of fossil fuels. Um, and again, you can't add a ton of demand to the electrical system without building flexibility into the system and accounting for it. So there, there is an energy transition underway, but for it to be successful long term, uh, the electrical system will need to adapt. And that'll include uh, buildings and distribution networks and transmission networks uh, and the interplay and communication between those different layers of the system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when people think about renewable energy and sources and they think about solar and wind, I mean, these are things that take place out in the middle of nowhere, these suburban environments and fields and acres of space, uh, when the real challenge is how do we decarbonize these densely populated urban areas? And I love that you're using commercial real estate as a way to do that. And I think people are going to find this extremely interesting. Um, just a final thing in closing, if there's any one more tidbit you could leave for our listeners, anything new, exciting happening that they can take away with? Um, I would say that, you know, like in, in traditional grid adequacy planning, almost all the attention has been on the transmission side, very little uh, consideration to the distribution networks. And then within distribution networks, almost all of the attention has been what goes on upstream with the customer meter. And so I think uh, what, what's coming is going to be more of a focus on behind the meter applications and what's actually going on inside the building and how that can contribute to, uh, to grid reliability. Right. I'm really interested to see, you know, how all this funding coming down uh, through the IAJA, how, how that's going to impact what opportunities there will be. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting time to watch. Um, so th that's about all the time we have for today. But before we sign off, I did want to mention for our listeners that we are planning our last stop for 2022 for the private symposium tour. Uh, it will focus on the energy market and we're going to Houston, Texas on November 15th. Uh, depending on when you're listening, prices do go up tomorrow on November 9th and and seating is limited. Uh, it will be a half day from about 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. and will be held at the Junior League in Houston. Uh, we'll have industry experts to discuss an overall economic landscape for the energy market on a national level, followed by a deeper dive into more things like ESG, carbon capture, a hydrogen panel, the grid, which we've discussed today, EVs, renewables, solar, and wind. Uh, if you're interested, we'll pro provide an event uh, link in the show uh, page notes, or you can email me directly at dalexander at ACEC.org. Um, other speakers uh, include those from Evolve Houston, the Center for Houston's Future, Greater Houston Partnership, Jupiter Power, and Progress Rail, a Caterpillar company. Uh, so thank you, Jesse Gary, for providing your market insight today. Yeah, uh, looking forward to next week and I'll, I'll see you there. And thank you listeners for joining us on another Engineering Influence podcast from ECEC. And a special thank you to HDR for our program sponsor for the private symposiums, as well as ECEC Retirement Trust. Happy fall.